Again, that was Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 14. And while you guys are turning there, uh, the title of my message this morning is entitled, Don't Be Lukewarm. And one of the things that I've been seeing from a lot of pastors, uh, good pastors, and even just things in my own life and things that God has sort of taken me through, um, I, you know, with, with videos that I do from home, um, and just messages that God has, you know, wanted me to teach uh, at home uh, is really living a, a holy and sanctified life. And sanctification is which in which we are set apart onto God's service. Holiness is being separated from sin. And both are needed and essential in every believer's life. Because we're at a time now that we ought to be light and salt for the world. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians and even a lot of so quote-unquote Christians are not like that. And so hopefully that today's message would be convicting but also uh, you know, full of grace and truth and mercy. Amen. So let's go ahead and we'll go ahead and read here. Revelation 3, verses 14 through 19. This is the letter to the church of Laodicea. And it says, Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou work cold or hot. I'm going to stop right there for a second because something that was really, really intriguing to me is when you take a look at all the, the seven churches written in Revelation, the church of the Laodiceans, it seems and appears that there is no um, commendation from the Lord. You look at all the other churches, the Lord you know, commends the churches for their good works, and only two of them only are commended but not rebuked. The rest of them are rebuked. But it's interesting that the church of the Laodiceans, there is no commendation for them. It's almost like a straight-up rebuke. And, it, and, and Jesus says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. It's not cold and hot. It's cold or hot. It's a choice. You can either choose to be cold or you could choose to be hot. That's what the Lord would prefer. But as we continue reading, we see that the church of the Laodiceans were lukewarm. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. I don't know about you, but that is pretty intense. As you can see that the Lord Jesus Christ takes lukewarmness very seriously and is something that should not be taken lightly. It says, Because, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. You know, when you take a look at that and you take a really close look at that, that's pride. 
That's pride. Saying that you don't have need of anything, that you're rich and you're all good and all that stuff. That's pride. And the Bible says that God resisteth the proud. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blinded and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyeself that thou mayest see. As many as I rebuke, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. You see, it is not God's will for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. It says in uh, let's see he, uh, Hebrews chapter twelve it talks about chastening, but the Bible also says that if you're not chastened, then are ye bastards and not sons? What that means is if you're not chastened of God, most likely it could be that you are an illegitimate child. It means you're not a child of God if you're not chastened, because God will chasten His kids, because that's what a good parent does. Now, <clears throat> we see that this church had pride because they clearly didn't need anything because they, they claimed that they were rich and all that stuff. But Jesus said, but you're miserable, poor, and wretched. You see, the things of this world, you might be rich of the things in this world, but you're poor in spirit. Because without Christ... You are, we are nothing. And something that I, I, I see from here is that this church seemed to be building their lives upon the things of this world, material things, things that will eventually be burned up one day. And that's a dangerous place to be. Very dangerous. Because one of these, if you build your life upon the things of this world, one of these days you're going to realize it's gone. Because it's going to eventually burn up. Sure. What we see is temporal, but what we don't see is eternal. Now, lukewarmness. Now, how does this apply to what we see today and, and, and all that? Well, it applies today because a lot of Christians need to be separated from the world they need to separate themselves from sin and set themselves apart onto God's service. You see, many people tend to have this thing, this mindset of, bless God, I'm saved. I can go out and live like the devil. You've got Christians and churches that will come in. They will play the part to the T. You would really think they were saved and then... Right after Sunday service, what do they do? They go out, they get drunk, they go to movies, they do all these things that the world does. And then you take a look at that and say, I just saw them in church. What happened? And I'm going to tell you something. To a lost and dying world, that's a turnoff. Because something I am realizing is that the lost and dying world really don't have a lot of respect for Christians anymore. And the reason for that is because there's so many lukewarm people that the lost and dying the lost and dying world takes a look at that and say I don't want it if that's Christianity I don't want that 
because you're a bunch of hypocrites. And so we have to be careful at how we live. How you live your life matters. How you live, how you live your life matters, and your testimony matters. And we see that a lot of these lukewarm Christians, and even quote unquote Christians, are presenting a bad testimony. But they're not just presenting a bad testimony; they're costing people eternity. We ought to live right. And by the way, you can't live right. You cannot live right apart from God. If you don't have Christ, you will not live right. But if Christ lives within you and His Spirit is, dwells within you, the Holy Ghost can help you with that because He's got that power to do so. If the Holy Ghost has power to regenerate you at the time that you become born again, He has that power to help you. That's why we have chastening. Amen. Now, <clears throat> What I want to say is this, is that we we tend to see that we see here in the church of the Laodiceans is they seem to be building their lives not upon Christ, but upon the things of this world. And like I said, it's really interesting that with the the church of the Laodiceans, they get rebuked. There's nothing that the Lord commends them for. But he does offer them a chance to repent. He does offer them a chance of hope. And he offers the same chance and hope to anyone who's willing to come to him. Um, I want to go to here, Matthew. Uh, turn, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read in verse 22 through 27. And... Um, It says, Jesus says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, there are these, you have these people that claim the the name of Christ, but clearly they live like the world. So one of two things. Either a saved person needs to repent and get right, or two, they're not saved. I don't know. The Lord knows, right? So we can't really judge that for sure. But Jesus says that not not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter in the kingdom of God. You know, you have all these false prophets, all these false teachers. You hear them claim the name of Christ, right? They, They say Jesus. But a lot of those false prophets and teachers, all of them, they're not saved. Because what marks a true believer is, are you born again? Are you regenerated by the power of the Holy Ghost? Do you have a new nature and a new man? And if you have a new nature and a new man, that means you have a new desire. And that desire is to serve and love God and not sin. Yes, we will sin, we will fall short, but our desires have changed. Why? Because we have been been given a new desire when we got a new when we become a new man. So we see here. Oh, and by the way, if you think about this, when I the passage that I just read, isn't it interesting? Three times, it's mentioned works. 
Lord, haven't we done this? Haven't we done that? There's no faith mentioned. Because I'm going to tell you why. We are saved by grace through faith. These people here that name the name of Christ, and Jesus said, I never knew you, depart from me that work iniquity, they weren't saved. And they weren't saved because all they mentioned was their works. There's nowhere they said about faith. And we're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. What? Lest any man should boast. And we see that these people are boasting on their good works. I'm going to tell you something. You can be a good and moral person and still go to hell. Without, I mean, if you could claim, you could claim that you're good and moral till you're blue in the face, but if you don't have Christ, you ain't going to heaven. And that's a hard truth to swallow. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Your works are not going to cut it. As a matter of fact, God says you have no good works. Your good works are as filthy rags to him. And any good work that we do as believers is Christ doing the work through us. It is not ourselves. So how can we take credit for any good work without Christ? We just can't. Um, And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. That right there is a biggie. He says, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Not just hearing, but also doing. Now, what are the sayings he's talking about? He's talking about everything written in this book. These are his sayings. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He was with God in the beginning. Everything from Genesis to Revelation is inspired by God. So we ought to not just hear, but do. You know, the thing about Abraham was that the good works that he did exemplified his faith. The question I have is, does your works exemplify your faith? The question I have to ask myself is, does my works exemplify my faith? Because faith without works is dead. And we do good works not to be saved, but we do good works because we are saved. We love him because he first loved us. See, when you first know Christ and and realize how much he loved you, all you want to do is to love and serve him as a new creature. Why? Because you know what he's done for you. So you want to do something for him. And so we have to we have to not just be hearers only but doers. Now I'm going to kind of place a bookmark here and I'm going to go to James here James chapter 1 and um, cuz James talks about this. James chapter 1 and it says and and we'll start in verse 21. It says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. 
and receive the meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. James doesn't stop there. He says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. See, James is telling you, you could deceive yourself. You can, anyone can listen to the word and think they're saved. You could deceive your own self into thinking you're saved. See, this is why we need to be sure we need to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. Because eternity is too long to be wrong. This is the time right here, right now, today to get that right, to make sure that you are saved because tomorrow may be too late. Next year could be too late. Next week could be too late. We don't know how much longer we're going to be here. Today is the day of salvation. This is the, this is the day to, to get it right if we're not sure. So James, and James is the half-brother of Jesus. Okay? So James, by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is saying that you need to be not just doers, but also hearers. We are to be doers and hearers of the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. You see, there is no other, there is, there is nothing else that can help your faith but the Word of God. The Word of God is the only thing that can help build your faith. As actually, as a matter of fact, I'll even take it a step further that the Word of God is what we're supposed to be building, not just our faith on, that's what we're supposed to be building our life upon. Because the Word of God is that rock. Jesus Christ is our foundation. He is that head of the corner, the, the cornerstone. He is our foundation. <clears throat> now it says here, um, Therefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine and do with them, I will liken unto him a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church. He wasn't talking about Peter. He was talking about himself. He will. It's on himself that he will build his church. So it's Christ that builds the church, and it's Christ that adds to the church. And we see that Christ should be our foundation. He has to be the foundation. He has to be the center. He should be the centerpiece of all of our lives. Because without Christ, we can do nothing. And we won't get very far without Christ. But with Christ, you'll go a lot further than you, than you expect. Because God could take a dirty, rotten sinner, save him, transform him, and do mighty works in that person. Amen. Now, <clears throat> the church of the Laodiceans seemed to have built their their lives upon the things of this world, but we ought to we ought to learn from that and build our lives upon the word of God. Now it says, and the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded on a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon sand. You know, sand isn't very sturdy. That's what this world is. 
If you build your life upon the things of this world, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, this world is on a course. And it's on a course for a big fall. I mean, a big fall. I mean, such a big fall that they are going to willingly accept the Antichrist and worship him. Because the world is in darkness. And Jesus says that it's foolish to build your life upon the things of this world. But if you build your how, if you build your life upon the word of God and what it says, Jesus likens you unto a wise man. Now, <clears throat> when we take a look at the verses that we read, we see that there will be many who will profess Christ and will brag on their works. But faith is never mentioned. And faith is important. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. If the world hateth you, remember that it hateth Christ first. Which should show you that the world's going to hate you because you follow Christ. It's just, it's just the way it is. The moment that you become born again is going to be the day that there is going to be a separation between you and the world. Why? Because you found hope. The lost and dying world doesn't have that hope. They're seeking for it. But you know what's funny? They're seeking it, they're seeking for it in the wrong places. You know, the world nowadays, we see that they're propping up Islam and, and all these other religions. But they seem to only frown upon Bible Christianity. It's only going to get worse. Which is why it's important that you got to live a holy and separated life. And we're commanded to. Be ye holy as I am holy, saith the Lord. We ought to live separate from sin. We ought to live separate from the world. Because... If we don't, we will probably cost people eternity. And God will hold that accountable. He'll hold us accountable for that. We will have to answer for that. Um, in Matthew 25, verse 1 through 12, this is the parable of the ten virgins. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom, and five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they slumbered, all, slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. For our lamps have gone out. You know, that right there shows you why socialism doesn't work. Because socialism says that we need to treat everyone equally. Socialism says we have to take the oil from the wise and give to the foolish. But the wise answered, say, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. Go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. 
And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came in that they were ready, went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Remember what Jesus said? Not everyone who said, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. So these foolish virgins professed Christ, but were they actually saved? They didn't take any oil with them. They were foolish. They, 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 they're worldly Christians. They're Christians that only were concerned about the things of this world. You see, we ought to be, we ought to be focused our attention on what God has for us and the things of heaven, not of this earth. Continuing on, it says, But he answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. So the foolish virgins represent worldly Christians that profess Christ, but they weren't born again. And you see in that parable that the, the bridegroom said, I don't know you. I'm gonna, this is heartbreaking, okay? But the, the, the worst possible Situation anyone can find themselves in is thinking you're saved when you're really not. It's a very dangerous position to be in. A very dangerous cost. And, you know, you have all these Christians that want to play games with God. Right now is not the time to play games. We ought to be focusing on God and the gospel and winning souls. What's more important is winning souls to Christ. What's not important is going off to somewhere you where you shouldn't be. We ought to be about our Father's business. Because one of these days we'll have to stand before God. And we're have to, we will give, as believers, we will give an account whether good or bad, what we did in this body, we'll have to give an account for. One of these days, I will give an account of what I said here today. Whether it be good or bad. That's why church leadership, their judgment's a little bit more strict. Because they're in positions of authority. That means their judgment's going to be a little bit more tighter. Amen. <clears throat> In Acts chapter 19, verse 13 through 16. Um, then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Right there, you know that they, they weren't saved. <laughs> they said, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. They knew Jesus. They proclaimed his name. Were they saved? Well, we don't know. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are ye? It's, fun. it's really interesting. So you have all these exorcists that are trying to cast out a spirit in the name of Jesus, whom they really don't know. The spirit answers them back and says, 
I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? It's, this is why we have to live in Christ and live separated onto Christ. Bible Christianity is about is, is everything about new, a new man, a new, you know, a new eternal destination, a new change. It's about having a relationship with Christ. God desires that. He's the creator of this whole universe. He wants a relationship with you. That's amazing that the creator of this whole universe wants a relationship with you. But it will only work if the person is willing to accept that free gift. And if they accepted it, it takes two to make it work in a relationship, not one. We ought to pray daily. We ought to repent daily as believers. We ought to be salt. We ought to be light. We ought to be ready to witness to people, hand out tracts, answer questions that people may have. We have to be ready for those things. I got to be ready for those things. We all got to be ready for those things. And the Bible says that we are to we are to uh, be instant in season, out of season, ready to give an answer, you know, to the hope that's within us. See, we have a hope that this world does not have. See, this world likes to think it offers hope, but the only thing this world can offer is eternal damnation. But Christ can offer you eternal salvation. Amen. We ought to we ought to offer that that hope and salvation to others. And continuing on, it says, "And the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded." In James chapter one, uh, we already. We already read James chapter 1, verses 21 through 22, so I won't reread it. But in Matthew 16, 18, I quoted this. It says, uh, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That, that foundation is the Word of God. The apostles are the New Testament. The prophets are the Old Testament. With Christ being that chief corner. Jesus Christ is the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. So, I want to say this in closing. Is that how you live your life matters. What you say and do matters. Where you go matters. Everything that you do as a believer, it matters. Every single aspect, whether you realize it or not. I'm, I'll, I'll say this. Many people won't read the Bible, but your life may be the only gospel that people read. So what will people read in your life? Will they read a genuous about you? Or will they just see just another hypocritical person? Because the lost and dying world needs to see genuine, born-again Christians. I'm not saying perfect, by no means, but genuine, 
one who's willing to admit that they're wrong when they're wrong, one who's willing to, to tell people that they are saved by grace through faith, not in themselves. Because really, all what really matters is what Christ did for us at the cross. Amen. Let's close in prayer, and Brother Billy, I'll have you come up. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you, uh, Lord, for this day. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you just reach and touch, Lord, every heart here, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would convict us, Lord, of our sins, Lord, of whatever it might be. Pray, Lord, that, uh, Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that they would cry out to you, open their eyes, that they might see their need for you. And, Lord, we do thank you, Lord, for the promise that your word will not return void. But, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are always with us, that you lead us and guide us. And we thank you, Lord, that there is power to your word. And, Lord, we do lift this to you, and we do pray and ask all these things, Lord, in your name. Amen.